You're listening to the OKest Fisher Podcast, part of the OKest Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Strine and Greg Tubbs. All right, we're back with another gear talk. You sick of us yet? Too bad. I'm not. No? <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased, though. Well, you know, we do like our uh, our fishing gear, don't we? Yep. Try to get you guys some relevant information while uh, while it's still relevant. Right. So we're going to talk panfish fishing in particular. Finding panfish, the gear to catch the panfish, and hopefully maybe some tactics that if you're not employing them, maybe you should. I like it. Okay. Let's get into the rod setup. You like that meat stick. I do. Tell us about it. Lightweight rod, uh, light line. Easy to drop down with a tungsten on it and a soft tip to see the real light soft bites. Go to. If I had one rod to take out for panfish, it'd be that one. Sure. And mine is similar. Mine's a little bit longer, typically because I'm not always fishing in a shack. So I, I don't know why. I just I ended up with a longer one. But yeah, it, Of course yours is longer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> mind out of the gutter, man. <laughs> so, but very similar setup where... Your two to four pound test line and a light reel with a, a good plan drag system. In your case, you may like that fly reel type reel, or you're going to use a really small, you know, like a 5,000 or a 500 series reel. Um, everybody's size 500 is a little bit different, but if you're looking at like a Daiwa or a Shimano, I think that 500 size is pretty, pretty nice for panfish. Yep, something to match what you're fishing. If you're fishing smaller fish, you know. You gotta have something smaller. Sure. And spring bobbers, you know, if you're fishing a rod like that meat stick, that thing already kind of has a real soft tip of a spring bobber built in. But if you like running spring bobbers, use those. Mm-hmm. Just be careful. They do freeze up. They do freeze up and they do wear out after time too. Like they kind of tend to lose the, lose their elasticity, if that's what you want to call it. Spring, springiness. Yeah, they lose their spring. All right. So we covered that. Baits. Baits are the next thing. You know, you got to tie something on that rod. We go digging through my tackle bag here. That was slick. We have a whole myriad of different profiles, different colors. That's pretty important because I don't know about you, every time I go out bluegill fishing, I don't think I ever catch them on the same jig twice. Nope. It, every day I go out there, they either want a chartreuse with dots on it. They want a solid purple. They want that chameleon-colored jig. They might want it smaller. They might want it a horizontal or a vertical. But it's really important to have a good variety of baits. Look, there's even a gold one in there. You do have a gold one. Uh-huh. So variety of different profiles and presentations. Plastics or not, I... I haven't had a lot of luck catching big gills on plastics. I don't know if it's just, like, too bulky for them. They get to be kind of finicky at times, big bluegills in particular, if that's what we're talking. Perch, on the other hand, they they see that, and it's mealtime. Yep. It's it's a big snack for them. They are always more aggressive. Once in a while, you get into some finicky perch. But for the most part, I don't have a problem catching perch. No, because they, they either eat or they don't. Right. You're not going to see them if they're not going to eat, and you will feel them when they want to eat. Yep. And crappies, too, them them guys, they usually like bigger profile baits, but I've had some 
tankers swallow up, you know, a tiny little, you know, number, whatever, number four, we'll call it a, a teardrop shaped jig, something real small, but it'll have a big bulky piece of plastic on it. They're, they're definitely looking at the plastic more mm-hmm. than they are the jig itself. The jig is just a weight to get it down there, but it's giving it just enough of a natural look that crappie will hit it. I've had the same, even running live bait for a crappie. Yes. Just get a jig to get it down there. Seems like color is less important. Yeah. When you're talking live bait, you let the live bait do the work. Mm-hmm. Dead let, stick it. Yep, you dead stick, especially, you know, minnows for perch and, and crappies, and I've even had big bluegills hit minnows before. But rosy reds or little fatheads, those are always really, really great live bait options. But if you're looking more at bluegills, I think one of the best baits I've ever found to tip a jig with is a wiggler. Yes. They are finicky as hell to keep alive, but, boy, they are bluegill candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that are the, the rosy spikes, too. Yeah, the red spikes is, is probably my second second favorite bait to, to use for bluegills. Um, I used to do pretty good on waxworms, and I don't know why, but the last few years I just can't seem to buy a bite on a waxworm. As soon as I switch to that smaller profile, either a red Euro larva or... You throw throw a, a wiggler on there. When a wiggler, for those of you who don't know, they are um, they are dragonfly nymphs. So the bait shops will get them in. They get a, a bunch of them in, and they usually sell out like hotcakes because everybody knows how good they are. And if you know for a fact that you got big bluegills in your lake and you just can't seem to bite, get them to bite when you see them on your electronics or see them down the hole, throw a wiggler on there. I guarantee you they're going to bite. Every time. Yep. One other quick tip to add on to that about local bait shops. can always tell what people are catching them on by how much they have in stock of certain things. Yep. So if the rosies or the little red wax worms are almost sold out, there's a good chance there's a solid bite on those. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know my one of my favorite bait shops is local to me. I know for a fact that when... He's got a lot of people coming in there and buying wigglers. They're, they're usually not there for long. Like, he'll put it up on the Internet that, hey, I got a fresh stock of wigglers. And he's the same way with leeches because he carries the best leeches around. They're there for about a week, and they're gone, completely out of stock. And then he's waiting for the bait truck to come and bring the goodness in again. Mm-hmm. So I think we covered baits pretty good. Let's talk about maybe the electronics. Is it important to have electronics to you? Um, yes and no. Depends on the type of fishing. We do, for panfish, a lot of shallow water fishing, you know, the three to five foot, and electronics are, you can take them or leave them. You don't necessarily need them. Helps out to figure out if there's weeds in the area, but anything under five foot, even, yeah, under five foot, I don't think you need electronics for. Yeah, I think if you're cruising along and just, you know, you're not really familiar with the lake, it's great to have one. Um, you know, start punching holes and just, drop it in the hole, turn it on. Yep. You know, we're, we're not quite where we want to be. It's too deep or it's too shallow. It's great to just be able to quick figure that out by using your electronics. But once you get kind of honed in on an area where, you know, yep, it's a six foot flat here, there's some weeds in the sand, then you may not need to use those electronics. No, where you may need to use them more is deeper water crappie fishing. When you get fish, Yep. Swimming through suspended at 15 foot and 25 feet. Crappies, no way crappies and perch or them bluegills that are have pushed out to the deep because 
you know, the oxygen levels are so depleted in the shallows that it's, and that's later season. Mm-hmm. Then it's definitely nice to have electronics to be able to locate depth and maybe even watch fish swim up to your bait and react. That's where it's pretty handy. Yep. So where do you go to target bluegill? Great question. Depends on the time of year, but I start shallow and work my way out as the year progresses. Uh, my local lake is pretty weedy. So if you can find the hole in the weeds or outside of a weed line, you know, right before it drops off into the deeper depths, those are always great spots. Now, yeah, the outside of the weed line is you're going to be more subject to more predatory fish cruising around back and forth. They come off the sand flat that's deep and they swim up to that weed line. They're always hunting panfish. But it's a good place to be. You're, you have to at least try it. And that might be a great spot early in the morning. And then as the sun comes up, maybe the panfish will kind of retreat back in there. So then you want to get onto that shallower flat, get through those weeds, and find an opening. you got to have an opening in between the weeds for those fish. They come out of the edge of that weed. It's almost like a mini weed line. Mm-hmm. You know, they have an ambush point where they can kind of swim through and go, oh, yep, there's something in there. And then they'll come in and, and eat. Spot on a spot. Yep, exactly. I mean, it's not... Too much rocket science, right? I mean, but some people will just go, well, I'm just going to punch a hole here and I'm going to fish here. I'm going to fish here until I don't catch anything. And maybe I'll move on or maybe I'm just going to sit on it. We should bring that back up too is to be a successful pan fisherman, you got to be mobile. Extremely. You got to be willing to move. You know, those schools of fish swim all over the place. They do. And even bluegills, like, I notice this open water when I'm fishing, targeting bigger bluegills, like, they kind of know the gig is up when a couple of their pals start to disappear <laughs> and go topside. Um, so you got to be willing to move. I mean, you might clean out a hole, three, four fish is all it's good for. It might be good for one or two fish. And then, you know, if you can sight fish it and watch watch what's going on and you don't see a lot of fish passing through, you're not quite in the right spot. And it doesn't mean you can't go back to that spot later. No, because you could, that... you could kind of essentially bump them and move them back. Yep. That's another thing I noticed. Do you target perch in the same area you do bluegill, or do you look somewhere else for those? Typically, I go a little deeper in my lake. Um, I have had some weird weird success. It's usually first ice. I've had some cruising perch come up in the shallows where I have a tip-up set maybe for pike, and they'll beat up on a pike minnow, like a medium shiner. A, a nine-inch perch somehow fits a medium shiner down his throat. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And this one one time in particular, like, that flag kept going off. I'm like, man, that's an active minnow. I bit the tail off of it, completely off. There was no tail fin left. It tripped again. I'm like, okay, third time's got to be a charm. There's got to be either a small pike there or maybe a bass is messing with it. Go up and, yeah, there's a little more weight on it. Pull it up and it's a nine-inch perch, and he jammed half of that, you know, medium shiner down his gullet, and he got hooked by a number four treble hook. <laughs> Beats the heck out of me. He was hungry. That goes back to perch are either going to eat or they're not going to eat. Exactly. There's no finicky perch. They're yeah. They're either there or they're not there. But typically I find them deeper water. I got to, for the perch in this lake, they're not very big. Uh, on occasion, you'll find a couple of big ones. Um, but like the Madison chain, that's a deep water fishery most of the time. You know, you're you're out in, in the deeper water, over 20 feet of water. You're using, you know, they have the Mendota rods. I actually have one sitting here, but it's basically a large, it looks like a large uh, film spool and you wind a bunch of line on it and you can actually preset your depths and you run pencil sinkers above it 
and get your bait down there real fast. And so it's kind of kind of slick where you can once you get them hooked, you reel it up, you get the fish off, you send the bait back down because if you don't get down there quick, the perch move. Yep, they move off. So that's another thing you got to be real mobile for any panfish perch are the same way. You got to be mobile and you clean out a spot. You get one or two, they quit biting. Give it five minutes. Time to move to another spot. What are you What are you targeting in the deeper water? Then you know when you're in shallow, you target a weed line and opening in the weed pocket. What are you looking for in deep water? Is there some sort of structure? Yeah, that's bottom change. That's a great question. Um, here, I actually find like little humps with weeds on them. You know, like the weed line will quit. It drops off into sand. There might be a little bit of rockiness in there. Here, there isn't too much rock in the in the depths but it'll be probably sandy and mucky and all of a sudden there'll be a little bit of a hump what's under that hump might be rock who knows but it's always usually covered in weeds it's a weed island out in the middle of everything i could find anything from the small perch to bigger bluegills some crappies there might even be a walleye hiding in there pike and bass bass are all over the place i mean you'll find bass from three feet of water all the way out to the deepest part of your lake so to a person who hasn't done a lot of deeper fishing um, for perch, bluegills, what, I should say, how do you find that spot? What what goes, what's your process? Do you look at, you know, satellite images? Do you look at navionics? Yeah. Do you? No, that's, that's, navionics actually is a great, great tool. Um, I've had that app on my phone, I think, since it came out. So have I. Yeah. You know, I, before I had a locator with GPS on it, that's my GPS. Mm-hmm. That thing is like, no matter what you're fishing, if it's open water, hard water, whatever kind of fish you're fishing, that app has been very helpful where you can go and go. It's just like deer hunting, right? Just how, how we scout for, e-scout for deer hunting. You can e-scout for fishing using that app going, yep, there's an island here. There's there's a, a bar that hooks here. Those are great, great things to take advantage of. And just you can go and mark spots on there and save them and then go go out and you know it, it's real live tracking so it's telling you right where you are if you put a, a waypoint on it as you're scouting it you know at home at night you can go over and all right i'm here at the lake today i'm gonna go hit these two waypoints because i really want to see what's down there what's down there for weeds what's down there for you know what the bottom composition is like and really use that as a tool it's very helpful and anybody can do it anybody Yep, I don't know if that app's free anymore. It's not. I think I want to say it's probably, it was probably six bucks a month. It went from like free to $3 to $6. It might even be 10, 12 bucks now. I don't know. Mm -hmm. The thing is, it's not a catch all. It'll get you in a general area. You still have to fish. You still have to put the time in. You still got to fish, but at least it's given you some idea of what the bottom contour of the lake is like. And then you can use that information to your benefit, you know. But again, it doesn't mean you're going to catch them all. It just tells you, hey, there's a drop-off here or there's something here another, that you should key in on. Another tool in the tool belt. Another tool in the tool belt. You got it. How often do you catch bluegills in deep water? Are those primarily more shallow? Um, primarily, I'm doing good either early ice and then late ice when things kind of start to melt and and oxygen starts to re return more into them shallower depths um there i know of a few guys that do get lucky and it's usually a spot on a spot kind of thing like an island out in the middle of 30 feet of water it comes up to 20 
you can catch them out there sure. that I've done. Um, I've caught pan panfish from bluegills to, to perch through the ice. And then, you know, an occasional hog bass that decides that it's 20, all 20 inches of it needs that half inch jig with a little wax worm on it. Showing it who's boss. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's really, really the best places to find them middle of the season kind of where you're in the doldrums and you need to, if you're not finding them shallow, you got to go deep and using your electronics then you're going back to using electronics because it's pretty tough to sight fish anything that deep. Yep. So yeah, with that, I've also randomly caught crappie in less than 10 foot of water in weeds before. That is random. Yep. Uh, One of our local bodies of water down here we fish is usually a three to five foot weed flat and early morning and late evening. I don't know what makes them come through. We'll pull half dozen crappies out of three foot of water. Yeah. And that's, that's something to be said about that. You know, when you're pan fishing too, is like times a day. Um, bluegills, big bluegills seem to do really well in the mornings. If it's sunny most of the day, you're going to have to push a little deeper for them. Obviously, early ice, like it's no no holds barred. Anything goes. You no. could you could find them all over the place. They're not on a pattern yet. No, and I mean, I've had people outfish me in in five feet of water, and I'm out in eight feet. I'm still catching fish, and I'm seeing some good fish come through. But they're just one after another in five feet. Whatever reason, those bluegills or or whatever they're catching are just giving her. They're they're doing really well there. Do you have uh, the second the sun sets, dinner bell go off? Because that's usually how my bluegill luck is. Is you don't catch anything until three minutes before that sun sets, and then the second from there until like legal close for deer hunting. It's it's a free for all. I've I've seen that happen out on my lake here. Um, and then all of a sudden the crappie bite takes over. Crappies notoriously are, are low light feeders to begin with, similar to a walleye, where you're going to catch them probably right at the end of the day. You will catch some early in the morning, but the, usually the morning bite for crappies, unless it's cloudy and you got a storm rolling through, like a snowstorm, I've done good day, on days like that out here and a couple of the other small lakes around where for whatever reason, every time you put a plastic down over 20 feet of water, you see them on the graph, you get it a foot in front of their face, and all of a sudden they're chasing. And it's snowing and blowing to beat hell top topside, but down there it, it's just it's magic for them. Yep. And it's weird, too, when you got early, well, it's early ice or you don't get a lot of snow during the year, I notice fishing is harder with clear ice. Yeah, and I think it, a lot of it is, has to do with the fact that maybe – the motion above just kind of spooks the fish, especially if the water's really clear. Mm-hmm. Clear ice, clear, you know, fish can see everything. Fish can see things like it's open water almost. I think they can hear it too. Hear yeah. The clanking on the ice from the cleats, the snow, it cushions that a little bit. Yes. Relation to it. I would agree with that 100%. That also works into tactics, target him too. If I got a little patch of not prime water, but it's got some snow cover on it, I'm going to be fishing that snow covered area. I can agree with that because I've seen that happen out here. Oh, I believe it. Yep. It's one of those weird things that you just pick up over time. And we're trying to give you guys tips on, you know, what we know too. So, yep. But then you get that one guy that puts that random tip out in the middle of the, the clear ice, maybe because nobody's fishing it. He puts it out there and he catches the 32 inch pike. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we're not talking pike fishing. We're talking panfish. Nope. And it's always a bell curve. Yes. It's always a bell curve. <laughs> Always bring a backup plan because, you know, if the panfish aren't biting, 
you can find something else that will. Yep. All right. What about you? What uh, do you have any final thoughts or tips and tricks of where to find fish? The biggest tip and trick, and we talked about it a little bit, is be mobile. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be intimidated by the work of drilling more holes. Don't be you know don't become a homebody to your little six hole area. If the fish aren't there, you gotta find them. They're not necessarily gonna come to you. So be open. Look for that hump in 15 feet of water when you normally catch them in 10. Look for something different. Look for an area of the lake where nobody's fishing. They could be missing something. You know, you could find one little rock pile out in 15 feet of water and nobody know it was there and you found it, bam, you're, you're going to have a shanty town next to you pretty soon. Yeah, you will. That's that's the only bummer part about it is it's public water. And if people see you chasing tip-ups or, you know, arm jerking all the time, they're probably going to go, oh, that guy's on to something. There's fish over there. We're not catching anything. But with that being said, even the shanty towns, when I say sh- shanty town, everybody congregated into a good area. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see those, those fish are just insanely pressured. Yes. Everybody is seeing, you know, everybody throws a jig down there. That fish probably seen 15 hooks before the end of the day. I would agree with that. So it's not necessarily a good thing to go close to them. Maybe try to outside, try to replicate it. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and we see that happen on every lake. You know, shanty towns pop up because so-and-so bar is hot this time of year for perch, and it's good for about the first week, and then it gets a little tougher and a little tougher and a little tougher, and all of a sudden the shanty town just kind of starts to spread out Yep. because nobody can catch any fish because they just cleaned it out. And if you can have the wherewithal to start to see that slip down and move before everybody else does, I think that will be all the difference in success. Absolutely. You stack the deck in your favor much better. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that covers panfish and then some. And then some. All right. Well, we'll be coming at you next time, hopefully with a guest. If not, it'll be something else. See you next time. See ya.